Praise be Jesus Christ. Slava Jesus Christ. Please be seated. I do not know who this man is. The only thing I know is I was blind from birth and he gave me sight. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Today is Mother's Day. It's a national holiday and we wish to say a few words in appreciation to our ladies, our mothers. And I was thinking about this uh, homily this morning. I was thinking about my own mother. And of course, wouldn't be here without a mother. You wouldn't have a priest, you know. The Messiah would not come without a mother. Jesus Christ had a mother. The most blessed and glorious of all people. And Jesus uh, looked like his mother because he didn't have a father except God the Father. And everything about him was his mother. Sometimes I think about that because that's true. And I think, well, sometimes we know so much about genetics these days. and So I think sometimes, I said last week or so, the body that we have, our mother treated to us under her heart as we grew there, and probably were most like our mother. Uh, and I think about that. And of course, Daddy was there at the appropriate time. I'm grateful for him too. And uh, but I thought about my mother and her uh, sicknesses. This is interesting. As I get older, I seem to have the same physical uh, illnesses that my mother had when she was growing older. I just have noticed that. So maybe we're closely fitted to our mother than we really know. Interesting. What else do I know about my mother that I carry around? Some of her habits. Quite a few of her tastes. And uh, I carry around the way she raised me. One of the things about Americans is dad's not home as much as he should be. And so mother's there. And, and women have a tremendous uh, influence on men from the day they're born. And sometimes women uh, like to complain about men. Now, I don't think they'll like to hear this, but I thought about that for a while. I was a priest. I said, well, who formed these men? And I noticed in my family, my extended family, if a couple was not getting along too well, the mothers always blamed the wife. It couldn't be her boy. Could not be her boy. Must be that witch he married. Huh? Very interesting, isn't it? So we don't run into all these things as you go through life. Now things about women that you may not know is that the priest that does not get along with the women in his parish is going to fail. He needs the cooperation of the ladies in the parish. And if the priest is not getting along, 
with the men's wives, they don't like that. And the wife will let you know it. So if you, any of you aspire to be a priest and run a parish priest, you better learn how to study the women closely and figure out how you can get along with them. Some men don't get along very well with women. Some are aces at it. Now, fortunately, I never got married and I belonged to Jesus, but I did learn how to get along with women. Never say no. Always listen. They like to be listened to. They don't necessarily think you're going to do it. But if you don't listen to them, you're in trouble. Try to be kind to them with all their peculiarities. And they have lots of them. Of course, we men are perfect. We don't have any peculiarities. A home is not a home without a heart. The heart of a home is a mother. I saw that through all the families we were related to. And remember, you gentlemen, if you have children, they're not really your children, they're your wife's children. So you've got to get used to that. So, she's and I will disagree with you about the children, maybe not, but always listen to her. A mother always has faith in her children that they can do anything. And young boys and young girls who are in trouble, they need that faith that their mother has and the stability of their father to stand by them. Or they get into difficulty. They go someplace else to look for some consolation. Consolation should always be in the home and in the church. So anyway, one Sunday I got up in the uh, St. John's and uh, I'd seen a beautiful chandelier at a uh, chandelier, you know, glass people uh, sell chandeliers and things like that in Seattle. And uh, in those days, it would cost $5,000. I didn't have $5,000 in the account. And if you're going to spend $5,000, you have to call the bishop anyway. It's, it's been raised now because I learned on my trip to uh, leave the bispo to give the retreat that $5,000 is any money anymore. The priest had put in two cabinets. I had the Pastanisas in cabinets and the walls of the church at St. John's. I don't have them here in the cabinets. I keep them in a drawer, but I should be just, we have, because our walls are all painted. But I have a place in the back, I might do it. We had these beautiful cabinets, and they were gold plated. And he said to me, I said, gold plated? Not even just, you know, uh, leaf, but gold plated. Because gold leaf now is about $5 a leaf. I can't imagine what gold plating would cost. He says, yes. He says, I spent $10,000. I said, $5,000 each. He said, I said, $5,000 for each? He said, oh, that's no money. 
Well, she's down down there in California where the money must roll in the street, you know. I said, well, I think that's a lot of money, you know, because I've always been a poor parish. You know? But my parish is, after a while, all prospered. But I was always careful with the money, you know. The money is interesting. And who do men learn about how to spend money? From their mother. They're always on mom's side. Dad, you haven't got a chance. That's the way it is. I think these are good qualities. Who, when we were sick, some of us at certain times post the point of death, who sat there with us, who prayed with us, who held us, our mother. Our dad was there, but our mother. So, gentlemen, if you want to, you got to look at the mother of your mother to find out what kind of mother she was so that you can figure out what your wife-to-be is going to be. How is she going to measure up? So, you know, man goes out to work in the morning, and he leaves his wife and children at home. If he can, they can afford it, sometimes two work to, to make the income that one should work in the old days. And he doesn't know what he's going to receive when he comes to the door in the evening. He opens the door, he comes in for his dinner. Now she has to be responsible. She has to have the house in order, put the children in order, and she's got to have dinner ready. And if he comes in and the, house, the children are out of order, he's not happy. If he doesn't get his dinner, he's not happy. If she blows the, the grocery money on something else, he's not happy. So it says in the Bible that the prudent, thrifty wife is a blessing to a man. And I believe that. Now, when a couple comes to me to get used to when I married a lot of people, I don't do that too much anymore because it's too much work. And I'm a monk. But I can do it. I've had a couple of weddings for special people, by the way. But anyway, I used to tell them I talked to each one of them individually and then together, and I always told the man, she's not really getting married because you're such a terrific catch. You might be, but she wants to have a family. She wants to have a baby. That's normal. If a couple came in and said they didn't want to have children, I refused to marry them. So, I've watched young men for many years, especially in the parish, and I've watched them closely, and quite a few of them that were wise, they saved their money, and they bought a house, and then they looked for a bird for the nest. They wanted a bird in that nest. They wanted a wife in that nest. Now, 
I used to watch it. They brought the church with them. Normally, if they were smart, they brought, they married someone who went to church with them and understood their goals. So priests give counseling to people who are going to get married, and three, four months after the wedding, the group sometimes comes in and he says, you know what, Father? I said, well, he says, you know, everything you said to me is true. So one guy came in, and he sits down and he says, he says uh, Father, he says, I'm not married a year, and my wife is pregnant. I said, what's unusual about that? He says, well, I don't know her too well. I said, you, know, you knew her pretty well because she's getting pregnant. What did you expect? She married you for that baby. That's not because you're so charming, you know. She had a reason for wanting to have a husband. Now, can you measure up? I, he says, well, I guess I'm going to have to. I said, that's right, you're going to have to. And you're going to have to ride her up for many years. So we have all these uh, movies and things about romance and love and all those things. And most of them are just la-di-da. Because they never get to the nitty-gritty of the situation. The heart of the situation. That man and woman marry because they're made for each other. And God wants babies. That's the story. I, in my own life, uh, on Mother's Day, come and sit down and think about all the women who come contributed to my success, getting raised, going to school, getting through college, going off to seminary. And I read a little story not long ago, Father Theodore and I read a little book about a priest that was, had a pretty rough priesthood, but he sort of was a miracle worker. He did a lot of work during World War II and all that, and through that. And he had been a nun. And he learned that she all knew all about him all the time he was troubled and everything, going through all this stuff. She was praying for him. She was a spiritual mother to that priest. And he finally wound up in Japan. I mean, the book doesn't go on about that. But what I'm saying is, gentlemen, the woman that's going to affect you all your life and love you even to a fault is your mother. Now, you have somebody else besides your earthly mother, your grandmother, and your aunts. And they also contribute to who you are. But the one that watches over you the most is your mother. And North Catholic mothers, they sit down with their rosary and they pray for their children. So I remember that when my mom, I was little, I was about three, and she would take me for a walk. And we go up this hill, I can remember that, and there was a big Catholic church there with a big statue of the Holy Theotokos. And uh, 
she'd sit there with her rosary and she'd pray and she'd tell him to be quiet. And uh, I'd usually fall asleep on the ground or something. She'd say her rosary. Then my grandmother, my slab grandmother, she was from the old country and she believed you couldn't go on pilgrimage unless you walked. So she'd grab me by the hand when I got to be about eight years and we crossed the whole city to a shrine of Our Lady. This shrine was interesting because the nuns there had bought this shrine for the chapel. But every time they went to put it in the chapel, they'd come back the next day and it was in the yard. So this happened two or three times and we said, well, I guess she wants to be in the yard. And they put their put it out in the yard and they put a shrine around her. And my grandmother and I would go there. She would say her rosary. And there was a pond there with fish in it. So I'd be watching the fish, but she'd be saying her rosary. And when she got up in years, we'd take the bus home because just walking both ways was too much. So the women in my family taught me the rosary. So when I started the monastery, I didn't know how the monks would feel about the rosary. I had an idea. Because they say the rosary is a private devotion, it's not liturgical, all that baloney. Our Lady herself gave us the rosary. So I sat down with them and we have community meetings where there's a question. I asked him, are we going to say the rosary or not? I said, and I just said, I was raised with the rosary. They agreed we were going to say the rosary. Every night before we go to bed, we say the rosary, along with all the other prayers. And I would have a guilty conscience if I didn't do that. I would say my mother was just going to throw a rock from heaven at me. The Holy Theotokos, especially for we men, she raised a son, the greatest of all sons. She gave birth to the greatest of all men, and he was the son of God. And throughout his public life, she followed him along the ways as he got in and out of trouble preaching the gospel. And probably, I'm only speculating about this, but I read Luke's Gospel, and it's so close to Our Lady's heart, what they talk about her in there. She probably taught Luke that what was in that Gospel, what she knew about our Lord. She probably formed the infant church. And the sin of the Holy Spirit on the first Pentecost, which we're approaching the celebration of soon, she was there in their midst with the apostles. Holy Spirit descended not only on the apostles, but on her. And so we have in the church that she's the mother of the church. Came out of Vatican too. Huh? People don't like it, well, it's tough. She's the mother of the whole thing. The Savior, the Messiah, and the faith that's in your hearts. So sometimes, like myself, you lose your mother 
falls asleep in the Lord, it's a great loss. And uh, you think about how did I appreciate my mother because I always know she appreciated me. She always supported me. And those qualities that she had are super abundant in our Heavenly Mother. She's doing the same thing. I'm not saying that the ladies don't have a nice relationship with the Holy Theotokos. But we men have a superlative relationship with the Holy Theotokos. She loves us always and still. So in our Lord, John's Gospel, he's dying on the cross. And she stands in front of the heart, heartbroken with the other Marys. They probably didn't have many names in those days. It seems like everybody had a name Mary. It's like the Slovaks. Yes, say Mary, half the woman, half the women in the room stand up. It's interesting. And she's funny the cross. This is her beloved son. And her heart is broken. It seems suffering in that beautiful, gorgeous body that she gave birth to. The primal sacrament came from the wound of the Virgin Mary because every sacrament is a gesture of Christ. And he looked down at John, his beloved disciple, who was a teenager, probably didn't have a beard yet, and he said to John, Behold your mother. Take care of her. And all the fathers say in the, in the writings of the fathers that he, the disciple John, took her into his home and cared for her. I want more. I want you to take her into your heart and love her because her love is super abundant for you. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.